on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're going to continue a discussion that we didn't finish up last time. Last time we were talking about the top searched for religious questions in 2019. We didn't get through the list, so we're going to continue our discussion of that that list and add a few more topics from the top. We got a we got a, a, a internet listing of the top 100 Google searches. We were trying to do the top 20, didn't get done, so we'll finish that and pick up a few more in our discussion uh, tonight. We we're searching the scriptures for the answers to these questions, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we're welcoming you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, uh, January the 16th. We're glad that you're part of it. You're having trouble catching up. On the program tonight, Uh, my name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Great to be with you, Jacob. Kyle's here tonight behind the controls. Kyle, glad that you're here. It's good to be here. Glad to be back uh, after an unexpected week off last last week. Yeah, and it it wasn't my fault. I want to just get that. It was all mine. Well, you were sick, and Kyle was tied up at work, and, and without you two guys to... Do all the technical business. We just were out of we were out of condition. We couldn't get it done. Well, uh, yeah, we I hated that, uh, but uh, we're back tonight, and uh, we can just pick up where we left off. And we are uh, in the middle of looking at uh, some of these uh, top uh, twenty searches on Google in 2019. But before we do that, a couple of uh, things we need to mention. Well, one the big the big news that we want to share is concerning our special weekend series. Not this Saturday, but a week from Saturday, January 25th and Sunday the 26th. Lord willing, Josh McKibben will be here, and we'll have a special intense period of Bible study and worship. Uh, the lessons are especially designed for young people and their parents and their families, but we encourage everybody to come. It's not a teen weekend; it's for everybody. But the special emphasis of the lesson will be particularly for young people and their parents and families. Uh, Saturday the 25th, we'll meet at 4 in the afternoon and 7 in the evening. Regular time Sunday morning, 9.30 and 10.30, and then 2.30 on Sunday afternoon. So we'll have five lessons in less than 24 hours. So it'll be intense, but we do this every year, or we have the last several years in January, and uh, we really enjoy it. We look forward to it. And if you if you are in Middle Tennessee and can drive to Columbia, Tennessee, we urge you to do that. You will not be sorry. Josh McKibben is a very exciting, uh, young, enthusiastic gospel preacher, very sound, uh, firmly establishes his messages from the scriptures, but You'll really, you'll really enjoy that. By the way, we won't read them off tonight, but if you go to our homepage at collegeview.com, you'll see an announcement of the event there, and the sermon topics are actually given, and they sound really good. I'm, I'm especially interested in the one for Sunday afternoon at 2.30. His title of his sermon is How to Lose Your Faith by the Time You're 20. Yep. Obviously, you don't want to do that, but if you do certain things, you will, and that's what he's going to talk about. Kevin is in the chat room tonight listening up in Ohio, and uh, he says Josh McKibben is a great guy, very unique, and will provide a perspective that is fresh. He loves God's Word, so some some. Uh, accolades Kevin, there from Kevin. Kevin. Some, Kevin uh, Kevin's knows encouraging folks yeah. to come and listen because Kevin has uh, heard uh, Josh as well. Oh yeah, jo- Josh does a really fine job, and and uh, he you your your attention will not wander while he's speaking. He will he he demands your attention and he'll hold it. Okay, so if you're anywhere near uh, Columbia, Tennessee, maybe even if you're not, uh, maybe you want to make a, a little bit of a, a trip to Columbia, Tennessee. It'd be worth your time. Yeah, especially uh, and, and see so you. I mean, where and else in particular, you, if you've got young people that you can bring with you uh you and they will benefit from the event and where else could you travel and uh and spend one night and hear five sermons all at once like that so you'll have time to drive here on saturday 
And you'll have time to get home on Sunday evening. Why not? Why not do it? Do it. Yeah. You won't be sorry. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll look forward to that. Find out more on our website, uh, collegeview.com. Some bumper stickers if you want them there. Still available. Yeah, we got bumper stickers. We'll be glad to send Same them to you. Same prices last year. Yeah, yeah, we have not increased the prices on the bumper stickers. Okay. They're still free. And uh, we could, at this late date, send you a Bible reading calendar. Um, or you can get on the website, which will probably be the easier thing now. Get on the website, and, and you can start your readings, continue your readings right there from the website. Are we getting out, Kyle? All right, we're getting okay, out. Kyle, Kyle's Kyle, making me nervous. Kyle's snooping around on okay. the wiring right, there. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, he's boy, got oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Well, uh, tonight we're looking at uh, the ones we missed uh, last time, oh, and you added a few more. Yeah. Uh, I think we're Actually, we, we gave, last time when we did this, which was actually two weeks ago, we got through the 11 of the top 20. So we want to continue that top 20. And then after that, as the program progresses, I picked up a few more uh, that I thought were really interesting in the uh, further down in the list of searched for topics. So question 12, let's just dive in. Question 12, the 12th most asked or searched for question on uh, um, Google in 2019 was, what is heaven? Almost a half a million people, if you can imagine it, almost a half a million people searched on Google to find out what is heaven. Wow. I mean, as we were saying last week, Jacob, it seems to me that maybe we overthink the thing, that people are really looking for easy answers, not complex answers to religious questions. They're not going to ask necessarily hard questions. Yeah. If we've been studying our Bibles like we should, we should be prepared to answer the questions that many people will ask. Um, and so, yeah, not getting very deep here. Yeah. Where, where is heaven? Or what well, is heaven? You know, it, uh, and, and it almost challenges you to, because to, those are kind of the questions that we don't typically get or deal with. That's true. Which, so that's a little bit <coughs> a different question you don't, may not be prepared for. So I would think that I would start the answer by saying, I think Excuse heaven me. is where God is. Yep. Uh, Jesus went to be with God when he ascended into heaven and, uh, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus uh, uh, ascended, he, uh, he was taken up. A cloud received him out of their sight while they looked steadfastly mm-hmm. toward heaven. That would be, you know, the, the physical firmament, yeah. uh, uh, the physical where universe. Where the clouds are. Uh, where, the, where the clouds are, where the, maybe where the stars and planets are. Mm-hmm. But as they looked into heaven, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Uh, And then in chapter 2, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, uh, Jesus, he said, Jesus is set at the right hand of God. So heaven is the abode or place. It's not a physical place. It's a spiritual place wherein abides God. God the Father, Jesus the Son, we know, are there. Uh, in First Thessalonians 1, verse 10, we wait for his Son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, even Jesus. Jesus is in heaven. And so, so not only would I say heaven is where God is, He's a spirit being. Don't, don't, don't define this by time and place, by physical location, because it's a spiritual realm. It's not a physical place. But it's where the righteous will go after the final judgment. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 4, Peter spoke of an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And so the righteous will go there to be with God and Jesus and the Spirit in that spiritual dwelling place called heaven. And we should note that heaven is not what many people envision it to be. Heaven is not a well-manicured golf course. Heaven is not a pristine beach on an island somewhere. Yeah, oh boy, you know, I really like to fish. Uh, and, and my view of heaven is that when I get there, it will be like having a cabin on the shore of the best fishing lake you ever saw. Right. I think the big lunkers. Yeah, that's yeah. what people think of when they It say. is not. It is a spiritual place and yeah. it doesn't it doesn't entail those types of activities. Yeah. 
in Revelation chapter 4, John is, uh, t- is taken to heaven in a vision. And uh, he says, immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one set on the throne. And he said, he that set was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. There's a rainbow around the throne, and, and inside uh, like unto an emerald. Round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders setting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Uh, before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. In the midst of the throne and round about the throne were, were four beasts full of eyes before That doesn't sound like my fishing lake. It doesn't. Uh, but it is a it is a an awesome uh, thought to think about there, and, being and, in the presence and, of God. And I really think that probably our feeble minds that are confined by time and space can't even comprehend what heaven really is and you won't care a thing about catching that big fish right. when you're in heaven or playing the next round of golf yeah you have more important things to do as we see in that, that uh in that uh setting they're worshiping god continually kyle that way when you're in the presence of god that's all you're going to want to do of course that's we're, no, we're like greg said our minds cannot even attempt to even comprehend or think about what what it would be like, and we're not gonna, yeah, we're not gonna be thinking about that fish. Not gonna be thinking about the big buck that got away. We're gonna be hunting, and just it'll just be glory. We think we're gonna be serving God and worshiping Him for eternity. It's just that's we will be fulfilled. We have fullness of knowledge. We won't have to worry about any of that anymore. Yep, yeah. That's right. Kevin says, uh, since I'm a spiritual being trapped in a physical environment, it's difficult for me to describe I, where heaven is. I located. think that's exactly right. We we just have it. We have, and the Bible speaks to us in terms that we. Uh, tries to describe this in ways that we can relate to but i'm sure there's there's a lack of ability to relate to that simply because it's so different than anything we know in our physical existence some have described the ability of two-dimensional creatures describing the three-dimensional is what kevin says uh, might be might be yeah, so yeah. yeah so uh yep all right angela says the final eternal resting place of the faithful after the judgment matthew 25 34 and 36 right and then we have a email from daniel down in uh uh, Georgia, uh, Florida tonight, he says, heaven is where God is, Revelation 4, verses 1 through 11, the passage that we looked at just a minute ago. And then Kent says, heaven is the location of the eternal throne of God, Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, that, is, uh, that passage refers to it as the third heaven, uh, that not being the... So the first heaven is where the birds fly. Yep. The second heaven is where the stars are. Mm-hmm. The third heaven is the spiritual abode of God. All right. Let's uh, uh, move let, on to the next. Let's grab, we are almost ready for time, break time, but let's grab another one real quick. What is sin? Question, most 13th most searched for question in 2019 was, what is sin? Mm. Kind of interesting. Again, such a basic question that you almost are, are, are put back by thinking, oh, I never thought, I never even thought to try to answer that. Now, yeah, this one, that's this true, one, but there, there, this one we do deal with. And there often. are religious people who don't understand the concept of sin. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the simplest definitions of sin is First John 3, verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Yep. There's two important points there. Yeah. There is a law. That's right. Some people say we're not under the law anymore, yeah. a, a law anymore. We're just under grace. Yeah. Well, if, you, if that's the case, you can't sin. Yeah. And John goes on and will tell us, if you say you don't sin, you're a liar. Yeah. So don't, don't in, go in down In chapter that one, he said, if we, if verse, chapter one, verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. So we're under a law today. There's a law. And when you violate the law, you sin. And, and there, there's another point there. You can't inherit this. Right. You can't inherit sin because sin's a, a transgression of the law. So you can't be born a sinner because yeah. you haven't done anything. Yeah, exactly right. So, okay. All right, good good points, uh, but I but note that, and you, you might want to make a, a mark in your Bible if you haven't got it there already. First John three verse four does an excellent job of defining what sin is. Uh, and uh, but when you think of transgressing the law, there are different ways to transgress laws. One way is when you do what the law says don't do. Yep. The other way is when you fail to do what the law says you must do. Right. So oh, sometimes we even refer to them as sins of omission, sins of commission. Yep. Uh, Kevin's glad that people ask the question, what is sin? It is good that people are concerned about what is sin because hopefully they're they're asking that so they can avoid it. Uh, Dwight says sin is what separates us from God. 
Exactly. And uh, and then Kevin says that tells us somewhat want to know it or avoid it. So that's good. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Angela says sin is a transgression of the law that separates us from God. First John three verse four, and one verses five and six. Uh, excuse me. Dan, Daniel says transgression of law, namely God's law, 1 John 3, verse 4. Everybody's on that verse, I think, excellent. Yep. And, and then Kent. Kent says sin is all disobedience to the will of God. I'm headed to get a drink of water, and we're going to get a break. Let's get a break. Don't yeah, go anywhere. The virtual drink. Bible study continues right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College of Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any definite plans for your spiritual life? and for your service for God. We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today... How will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? 20 years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? Here's some quotes worth pondering. Opportunity may knock only once, but temptation leans on the doorbell. To reach a port, we must sail, sometimes with the wind and sometimes against it, but we must not drift or lie at anchor. An honest man alters his opinions to fit the truth, while a dishonest man alters the truth to fit his opinions. Anger is only one letter short of danger. Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people. Those that think it is permissible to tell white lies soon grow colorblind. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight. So we talk about uh, top search questions in 2019 on Google. Uh, what is heaven? What is sin? And then the next question goes along with both of the above. The, the number 14, most searched for question, the 14th most searched for question in 2019 on Google. What is hell? And then it says in parentheses, Hades. Oh, mm. well, that right there. Spells out a problem. That's yep. a whole other program. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other program. In Thank fact, you, Kyle. Kyle, we had a program on that. I went back and looked in the archives, and you can you can go back in our archives and hear a whole program discussing hell and Hades. It, it, it was on January 10th, just a little over a year ago, just about a year ago, January 10th, 2019. There's a whole program on hell and Hades. Okay. They are actually... As that program goes into some detail to explain, not the same yeah, place. Synonymous. People use that term synonymously, but it's yeah, not. Yeah. Hades is is the realm of departed spirits. When you die, you go to Hades. Everybody goes to Hades. There won't be anybody who didn't go to Jesus even went to Hades Actually, when he died. About that. Uh, so Hades is just a place where departed spirits go awaiting the final resurrection and judgment. Uh in Hades, there are two places. There's two parts of Hades. There's there's a place called Torment, uh, and there's a place called Paradise, or Abraham's bosom. They're referred to in both ways. Uh, and so Hades is not hell. Uh, hell is the eternal abode of the unrighteous. So when you die... Everybody's going to go to Hades. Mm-hmm. If you've been a righteous person, you'll go to Abraham's bosom or paradise. If you've been an evil person, you'll go to torment. And you will await there uh, the, the coming of the Lord and the final resurrection. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 5, oh, what is it, John chapter 5, verse 28, uh, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which that all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and come forth. Uh, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. John 5, verses 28 29. So that when the final, rec- fun- final resurrection happens, all the dead will be called forth from Hades. And then there will be the, the a permanent assignment either to heaven for the righteous or to hell uh, for the ungodly. And hell is that eternal abode of the wicked. 
Revelation chapter 20 goes along with what Jesus said in verse 12. I saw the small, dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Notice verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their work. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The, the word hell there that in should the King be James Hades. should be Hades. It should be Hades. But Hades is giving up the dead, and then Hades is destroyed. There won't, be, no won't, be, won't be a need for it anymore. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, uh, Kevin says uh, uh, we hear so many people, even Christians, say that their loved ones have gone to heaven. Yet Scripture only shows us that we are first destined for Hades or paradise. Exactly right. Yep. Angela says, hell is eternal damnation for those who don't obey. Second Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9. Um, Daniel says, Hades is where you go when you leave your body. And he references Luke 16. The very best picture of it in the Bible is Luke 16, 19 through 31, that tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus. You get a very clear picture in Luke 16 of Hades and what it's like uh, when you die. Where do you go? Uh, the condemned in judgment are cast into the lake of fire, Revelation 20, verse 15. So, again, he points out hell and Hades are different places. And then Kent picks up on that parenthetical statement there in the question about Hades. He says Hades is the intermediate location of departed souls. So Kent would have answered the question maybe as the questioner intended it, uh, wanting to know about Hades. Well, that's not hell. That's the intermediate location, he says. So thank you for that. Dwight, Dwight says we become judges when we say that our pa- uh, that our passed on folks or those our, our loved ones who've died have gone to heaven. We don't know that. Nobody knows that. Yeah, thank you, Dwight. You know, one of the things when we have funerals that you, uh, you know, and you, I hear it all the time. And it's very uh, to me very troubling. I mean, the preacher preaches that this one is in a better place. Uh, this one has gone to be with Jesus, or all kinds of such expressions, which don't. Those kind of comments don't respect the difference between Hades and heaven and hell. Heaven and hell are not Hades. But also, as Dwight says, we don't know that. You don't know that for any person. You can't say God is the eternal judge. That's right. Okay. All right. Let's keep moving so we can get all the... Oh, boy. This is a different one. Now, this is the one I can't answer. Yeah. The question, 15th most searched for question on Google last year, what is reality? What is reality? I, I'm not sure what the question, but there, there was uh, 368,000 people who searched on Google last year for what is reality. Yeah, uh, 300,000 people? 368,000 people. 368,000 people that probably should turn off the computer and go lay down. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe they would say, you know, yeah, you guys, you're on the virtual Bible study, <laughs> you know, and you're talking about reality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but I don't know how to answer that. I, I, let's see what our emailers well, say. You can throw it to the emailers yeah, tonight uh, and see if they can help us out. Uh, well, Angela says our reality should be based on what God laid out for us to do. Romans 3, verse 4 and Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. So our reality should be defined by the reality is that we ought to be doing what God says because well, he created us. I mean, there's a, that's a good point Angela makes there. So we, we, ought to, we ought to frame up our view of everything based upon the scriptures, not necessarily how it looks to me, what I think. What do the scriptures say about it? You know, what's going on around me? Well, the scriptures explain what's why real. things are happening. What's real is maybe, maybe Hebrews 9.27 defines reality. It is appointed men once to die. And after this, the judgment. There's your reality. That, that's the ultimate reality. It seems reality. like I'm going to be here forever. No, that's not reality. No, the ultimate reality is it's pointed to men once dying after this. It seems judgment. like this life is all there is. Yeah. That's not reality. The reality is that uh, there's more to come after this, and we're going to be judged. Exactly. Okay. So that's a good point, Angela. Appreciate that. Uh, Daniel says uh, things are that are not false or imagined with eternity's reality being most important. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. So thank you for that, Daniel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so. and Kent says reality is truth. Reality is what is true. You know, that sort of reminds me of of Pilate's question to Jesus when Je- when Pilate said, "What is truth?" You know, uh, Pilate almost acted like there's no there's no certainty. There's no nothing positive or definite. And Jesus said that in John seventeen seventeen, Jesus said, "My word is truth." Kevin says, here's a concept that might answer the question, uh, what what the question says about what is reality. Uh, Reality is Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. This is the end of the matter, all that has been heard. 
fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. I think that might be a good way to approach it. Uh, uh, Well, actually, that came from Eric. Uh, Oh, that's Eric. Oh, yeah, he jumped in. He jumped in. uh, Kevin didn't finish his thoughts. Thanks, Eric, for that. Here's Kevin's thoughts on how he would answer. He said, when I was a child, I thought everyone, uh, everyone thing was my was a theater for my own benefit. Then I grew up and realized differently there is a bigger picture. Right. It's uh, not so, just a, it's not just about right here and right now. Yeah. And then Dwight says reality reminds me of hope. We will yeah. know it when we see it. Okay. Thank you for that. That's a kind of a weird question. Now that one is a weird question. You gotta admit that's a weird question. It is. Uh, so anyway. that's some good answers though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think uh, yeah they that, they, that that's impressive. Our listeners really came they came through for us there. Yeah. All right. Let's grab one more before our break. Number 16, what is the gospel? Okay, 301,000. What is the gospel? Which is a great question. I think it's an important question. The word gospel, that's a word that you just don't ever hear used in any conversation other than some sort of Bible discussion. Now, in our sermons and in our Bible classes, we talk about the gospel a lot. But if you were out at the grocery store... You would never say the word gospel. Yeah. You know, if if you were went to the little league baseball game, the word gospel would never come to mind. It's a, it is specifically and literally a word that limited to religious discussion. But the word means good news. Yeah. The actual meaning of the word gospel means good news, and so the gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news concerning what Jesus Christ accomplished. When he came to earth to live among men. And our listeners are going to elaborate on that as Angela down in uh, Georgia today uh, says the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The good news of salvation through him. Second Peter 1, 3, and 4. Ephesians 4, verse 7. Thank you, Angela. Daniel in Florida says it is the message about our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians 1, verse 8. And Kent says the gospel is the totality of of New Testament revelation. Now, now like now Angela yeah. got me thinking there. 1 Corinthians 15 beginning verse 1 Moreover brethren I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you which also you've received and where ye need ye stand by which also ye are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you've believed in vain. Uh, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So uh, Paul says that he pre- the gospel was what he preached, and it was the means by which they were saved. And so the gospel is the preaching of salvation. And I like what Kent says here is he takes it broader. He says the gospel is the totality of New Testament revelation. You know, a lot of people want to think, well, the the gospel is Jesus lying in the manger, that God sent his son to die for our sins and leave it there. But instead, the gospel is the entire New Testament, because not only does God send his son, he also gives us his revelation, his will for us to live in every aspect of our life. And so even those hard parts that may be uncomfortable for me, that's the gospel, that's the good news that I need to be embracing rather than trying to turn my head and ignore. Uh, yeah, yeah. so that. I think Kit makes a really important point that we we don't limit the gospel to just the the feel-good aspects of, you know, here's Jesus, Jesus came. Jesus loved you so much that he died for you. You're a wonderful person, Jesus loves you. You know, and, and some people want that to be the that's, the end, of that's the end of the gospel message. Um, notice in Matthew 11, verse 5, John sent two disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one that should come or do we look for another? This is John 11. And in verse 4, Jesus answered and said to them, go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. Yeah. And so Jesus was preaching the gospel. Okay. Let's get a break and get this week's bullet point. You know, we're doing pretty good on the questions. We're going to have to keep moving fast. So up next, what is salvation? What is salvation? So we're talking about 1,000 people want to know about that, too. Yeah. yeah. And uh, follow that up with what is prayer? So, again, not going real deep here on these questions, but some good answers. And we'll get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Studies is back right after this. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. 
As God's people in any local community, we have the duty to, quote, let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven, Matthew 5, verse 16. The awesomeness of this responsibility is realized when we recognize that the thousands of lost folks all around us will likely go to hell if we are not effective in getting God's message out to them. You play an important role in this process of evangelizing any immediate community. Day by day, you are in contact with others at school, at work, in the neighborhood, and so forth. Your conduct, your speech, how you dress, what you do, where you go, are all being observed by those around you. If your example is good, they will be favorably impressed with God's way, and they may choose to pursue it themselves. Many people have been converted because of Christians who displayed good examples in their presence. On the other hand, if your manner of life is not what it ought to be, the Lord's cause will suffer. If others can see that you're not serious about your service to him, then why would they give even a moment's thought to such things? In this matter, actions clearly speak louder than words. No matter how hard other Christians may be working to teach and influence people, they will not be able to overcome the bad example you have set before your acquaintances and peers. All the best Bible classes, sermons, bulletins, meetings, advertisements, and programs will not offset the damage you have done by your negative influence. And we should remind you that you will be held accountable by God for the harm you do by your flawed example. Jesus said, quote, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea. Luke 17, verses 1 and 2. Your good example is essential to the success of the gospel in any local congregation where you might be. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. And we are rolling along on the program tonight, and we're glad that you're here. We look forward to your comments. Uh, I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Check out Kyle's handiwork at uh, the college or at College View live stream on the on YouTube, or find a link there at our website. Uh, you can view our services live. You can watch uh, sermons uh, if you in, in the recorded version there on YouTube. Uh, definitely want to check that out. Uh, maybe you've never been to our website, uh, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Go there and check it out. And we would encourage you to contact us at any time with questions you might have or suggestions for future editions of the Virtual Bible Study, questions at collegeview.com is the email address you can use at any time. If you want to comment on the program tonight, it's 877-381-4567. That's toll-free, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, remember that there's actually two different channels on YouTube. Yep. One, one is the channel you're watching tonight to watch the Virtual Bible Study, and there's a separate channel for our worship services and Bible studies that are live-streamed when they're happening, and the archives are there, too, and that's the YouTube channel known as College View Live Stream. Yeah. There's a link to both on so at our website, collegeview.com, you can get those links. And you and of course collegeview.com and the virtualbiblestudy.com are linked together. All right. Uh, again, contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe send us just an email and let us know you're out there. Uh, Kevin and Dwight are uh, commenting back and forth tonight. Um, and uh, if you'd like to comment with other listeners in the chat room, uh, sign in there. Uh, we'd like to hear from you in the chat room tonight. Okay, so next question, what is salvation? Um, and uh, this this is closely tied to what is the gospel. Dwight answers uh, in the chat room. He says the gospel teaches us how to be saved, and the gospel is for all, and salvation is for all. Contrary to what many in the religious world today will, will teach is that salvation is limited to just uh, being certain select people that God has chosen or predestined, that he picked you up out before you were even uh, born, that he wanted you to be saved. And the rest of the people, he decided he wanted them to be lost. God wants them to be punished eternally in hell. Yeah, uh, that's the, the, that, that is one of the very basic notions of Calvinism, that, that only certain people can be saved, everybody else can be lost, that salvation is something that God has prepared for a select few of people, uh, which is absolutely not true and is is dramatically denied in Scripture in 1 Timothy 2, uh, verse 4. God will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 
Second uh, Peter chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Yeah. So salvation is something God wants for everybody. What it is, I think, I think the way I would approach the answer to that question, what it is, is it's, it's the solution to our problem of sin. We talked about sin earlier. Uh, that was one of the questions we dealt with. What is sin? And part of the answer that was given by some of our listeners was that sin is what separates us from God. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. That separation from God has to be resolved. Salvation is the resolving of that separation that, caused, that results from sin. Luke, or, uh, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Romans 6 verse 23 says, the, uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is salvation right. through his son, Jesus Christ. Right. Um, Angela in uh, Lake Park, Georgia, answers that salvation is the saving of our souls from damnation, that eternal punishment that you mentioned there in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. She references 1 Peter 1, verse 9 there. Uh, Daniel references uh, Romans 5, verses uh, 9 and 10. God, uh, saved from wrath and sin, being reconciled to God is salvation, he says. And then Kent is the salvation is the difference or no, deliverance. deliverance or preservation from sin, whether it be a pardon in becoming a Christian, restoration of a fallen covenant child of God, walking faithfully in the truth of God and or eternal life in heaven. All right. Thank you, Kent. And so uh, it kind of building on what Kent was saying, there's a sense in which we have been saved Already, in other words, we have been our past sins have been forgiven. So you could talk about salvation from past sins. I think that's what he was getting at. But what we seek ultimately is eternal salvation in heaven. And and the fact that we've been forgiven of our past sins is not a guarantee that we'll have eternal salvation in heaven. We've got to be faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life, Jesus said in uh, Revelation 2, verse 10. All right. You've got about a minute and a half to get the next three in before our break. Number 18 here, prayer. What What is is prayer? prayer? What is prayer? Again, a real basic question that you maybe never even thought that someone would ask that. Uh, prayer is approaching God, mm-hmm. speaking to God. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, to those who are Christians, uh, we are invited to come before the throne. He says, uh, Hebrews 4, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So I would say it is, the privilege of being able to communicate with God, come before his very throne and make petitions known to him. All right. Uh, our way to speak and, to and petition God, Angela says, is closely mirroring your answer there. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, Philippians 4, verse 6. Yeah, I was thinking of Philippians 4, verse 6, too. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Good. And uh, Daniel says to communicate, especially to petition God, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. And then uh, Kent says uh, prayer is talking to God. So all on the same page there. Um, uh, anything else you want yeah, to say? Yeah, we there? had one. Wait a minute. We got one more. Uh, we got one oh, more. We missed Mohan. Well, he just had an answer to oh, last, the last question. Oh, he was, oh, he was answering the last one. I thought, well, let's do it. Uh, he says salvation is being saved from hell and sin and having eternal life with God and is only obtained, uh, by obeying the gospel of Jesus. A so-called church of Christ teacher on this website, he mentions, uh, made the false statement. I believe that there may very well be some very good Hindus and Buddhists who might possibly be with God for eternity. Well, whatever that preacher, whoever he is and wherever he is, he's wrong. He's he's all wet. He's dead wrong. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. The, the, The Buddhist, the very good Buddhists and Hindus don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. They are not going to the Father. All right. Maybe we, 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 yeah, let's let's that, contact that guy. Let's let's see if he'll come and, t- and talk to us about that. I would love to talk to him. Let's save that address. We'll see if we can yeah, get him on. We the need air. him on this program. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Kevin asked, "Do we comprehend what the, that the Creator allows us to speak with Him?" That's an amazing it, thought. It is. It's just amazing. You know, Jacob. A couple of years ago at your house, we had yeah. a 
a Bible study where we talked about prayer. And I think right. I think the big takeaway is what an amazing thing that God, the creator of all things, the almighty, powerful God wants to hear from me. Yeah, that he that he invites me to come before his throne. It's incredible. It's just it's it's almost beyond well it really is behind comprehension that that, that we have this privilege and that he to, cares yeah you know about you know maybe the, the scratchy the, throat i've got or the, the little things yeah, that, 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 my back that, is we, that we are or, troubled by yeah yeah that he cares yeah amazing all right uh number 19 uh number 19 what is the lord's prayer so the previous question is what is prayer uh question 19 searched for by over three hundred thousand people last year on google uh, was what is the Lord's Prayer? Now, I'm going to tell you what almost everybody is going to say in answer to that question. I'm, almost everybody who just follows the the religious thinking of our day, crowd, yeah. uh, they're going to go to Matthew 6, for instance. This was a section in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, beginning verse 19, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Wait a minute now. You're going to tell me that's not the Lord's Prayer? That's what everybody would. That's what my Bible says right in the top there in that section. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, we think that this would be better titled the model prayer because Jesus even said at the start of it, after this manner, therefore pray ye. Yeah. And so I would say Jesus is holding out a model for us to pattern our prayers after. This is more the model prayer. Yeah. And actually, we couldn't even pray that prayer accurately today because when Jesus prayed it, the kingdom had not come yet. Yeah. The kingdom has now come. The kingdom is the church, and the kingdom has come. And so for us to pray, thy kingdom come, in other words, praying for it that it should come, wouldn't even be accurate because it already has come. Yeah. This is a model of how we should pray. Yeah. And Kevin says the Lord's Prayer, as it would be so-called, is, is my your prayer when we follow Jesus' pattern. Yeah, so that's that's our prayer that we should be praying. Uh, the I I think more accurately the, that the Lord's Prayer. If you wanted to see, you know, there's there's a number of references to Jesus praying uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you read the life of Jesus, a number of reference to him praying. But we have a lengthy prayer recorded in John chapter 17, the prayer Jesus prayed shortly before he was arrested and crucified. And therein you see what was on his mind. Therein you see what he was praying about. People that. want to know what's on famous people's mind, maybe celebrities or politicians. What's on your mind? What keeps you up at night? Well, what's on, what was on Jesus' mind? Look at John chapter 17. You can see that and get a great understanding of what his priorities and his concerns were. Yeah. Angela says uh, the Lord's Prayer is our way to speak to and petition God. Uh, no, sorry. She references Matthew 6, 9. She gives that text, but which, which we think is probably, that's what the world calls the Lord's Prayer, but it's not accurately the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Daniel says Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Matthew 6, verses 9 through 15, but also prayed many prayers, notably in John 17, 1 through 26, and in the garden, Matthew 26, verse 39. Yeah, so Daniel says that's where Jesus prayed. Yeah, Kit says the Lord's Prayer was, well, I guess he's saying what is identified as the Lord's Prayer was actually a model or example that Christ gave us as to how to pray, not an actual prayer. That text in Matthew Chapter 6, verses 9 through 13 is actually a model of prayer. Hey, and I'm going to take the next, I think we should take the next question before we get to our break, because this one uh, we can answer in about three seconds. What does God look like? That's an interesting question, too. What does God look like? Well, uh, Angela says, no one has seen God, 1 John 4, verse 12. He is a spirit, John 4, verse 24. Uh, uh, Daniel says, we have figurative or signified description in Revelation chapter 4, but Jesus showed us. That what God's character looks like in John 14 verses 8 and 9. So we know about His character, but His physical, His His, his uh, how He physically looks. Well, He's not a physical being. No, and Kent says no one knows exactly what God the Father looks like. You know the Scriptures talk about the hands of God or the hand of God. They talk about the eye of God. The Scriptures talk about the ear of God. Uh, those that's the face of God. The face of God, but that's accommodative language. You know. You know, we imagine that God looks like us because 
we misinterpret something found in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, when God was creating all things, when he created man, it says, uh, verse 26 of Genesis 1, God said, let us, uh, my, my Bible's coming apart there, let us make man uh, in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And so, uh, you know, maybe when people read that, that we're created in the image of God, that means that God looks like us physically. But that's not at all what that text is talking about. It's talking about the fact that God gave us an eternal spirit. We are eternal like God is eternal. That's how we're in his image, is that we possess an eternal soul as he is eternal. All right. Uh, Kevin says Moses came close yeah. uh, to seeing God. The, ref- the reflection on Moses' face from seeing the, th- the th- trainings of God uh, caused the people to have to, uh, to have a covering over his face. That's right. Yeah, I mean, just God, Moses being in God's presence uh, was just a, a, an awesome and terrifying thing. Remember that remember the, the the incident in Mount Sinai when God came on the mountain and the whole mountain is shaking and thundering and the people couldn't even, they couldn't stand it. They said, you know, don't, don't, we don't want any of this. We're yeah. going to die. Yeah, you talk to him, Moses. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, so Moses came close. Yeah. It's a trailing. So God's right. So God covered it, covered Moses in the rock with his hand as he passed over. He could Son see from the, the, back. the back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, let's uh, go on. Uh, let's grab a break. break. When yeah. we get back, what is baptism? What is a pastor? What did Jesus look like? And what is original sin? Wow. Good questions. We're going to get it on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right Got a this. question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. Hi. My name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College of View Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. There are a number of hopeful signs for those who advocate for the Bible's continuing importance and influence. For instance, most Americans, including a majority of young adults, believe the Bible has been more influential on humanity than any other text. A majority also, including young adults, believes that the Bible contains everything a person needs to know in order to live a meaningful life. Two-thirds of all Americans hold the view that the Bible is the actual or inspired Word of God, and nearly half read the Scriptures at least once a month. That information is via Barna.com. The Word of God says in Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program in a foot race to the top of the hour now, so we have four more questions to go. Number 25. Okay. What is baptism? The 25th most searched question on Google last year. What is baptism? You know, that's, a, again, such a basic question. Now, we do talk about this sometimes because there's a lot of misconceptions about baptism. My guess is that the question here probably meant, what is the physical act of baptism? Well, the physical act of baptism is, uh, is being immersed in water. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, when Philip baptized the eunuch from Ethiopia... 
Uh, it says in verse 36, they, as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, it goes on. So in that case, being baptized required going down into the water. Clearly, it was a case of immersion. Yep. Uh, and, and the New Testament actually uses the word burial to describe baptism. Uh, Romans 6, verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And it's not disputed that New Testament baptism was immersion, but it's interesting you read from religious leaders, and they they agree to that, but they just actually say, it doesn't matter. It was it was immersion. And but, no doubt it was immersion. But but if you want to sprinkle, that's yeah. fine. Well, the scriptures say it's immersion. Now, do we want to do what the scriptures say, or are we going to follow somebody else? Yeah. All right. Uh, Colossians two verse twelve: buried with him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. So, baptism is a burial. It is an immersion. Now. I think it's important to stress that it's not just the physical act of getting wet. It has to be engaged with the right purpose or motive. In in Romans 6, where I was reading earlier about being baptized into Jesus Christ, and and Paul called it as a burial. In that same chapter, Romans 6, verse 17, he says, God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Now, the doctrinal thing mentioned specifically in the text is baptism. But he says that they had obeyed that doctrine, including baptism, from their hearts. So when we engage in that physical act of immersion uh, from the heart or with pure motives, it is uh, that which we are commanded to do, and it is the point at which we access the blood of Jesus and our sins are forgiven. If you look at the, the stories of conversion in the book of Acts, and uh, we see throughout the book of Acts that baptism always came after the subject's belief in in Christ and his death for them. Uh, in fact, Peter, uh, Philip wouldn't baptize the eunuch until he was confident that the eunuch believed. Faith has to come before baptism. Yeah. Uh, Peter said in 1 Peter 3.21, The like fairy wherein to baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not just getting a bath, but it's when from the heart we respond to God seeking a clear conscience. Kent says New Testament baptism is immersion in water, Acts 8.38. Uh, by the new te- by the authority of Christ, Acts two thirty eight, so, uh, presupposed upon one's faith in the gospel of Christ, Mark sixteen verses fifteen and sixteen. Yeah, read that verse, Mark sixteen fifteen and sixteen says you got to have faith before you're baptized. Uh, repentance of sin, uh, Acts two thirty eight. Conf- confession of the deity of Christ, Acts eight thirty seven, for the remission of sins and into the New Testament church, Acts two thirty eight, First Corinthians uh, twelve thirteen. All, All right. right, real quickly. Uh, Number 36 question last year was, what is a pastor? Now, again, these questions probably generated because of the fact that the religious world is way off on the definition of terms. And they would have a pastor basically being the the preacher who is the single authoritative figure in a, in a local congregation. So the pastor is the preacher and he is in charge. He's the he's he's the single guy in charge. That's not the biblical meaning of the term at all. Absolutely not. I pastor think, is a biblical term, but it is a term that applies to elders. Yeah. There there are there are several terms that refer to the overseers of a local congregation. We often refer to them as elders. The New Testament does. They're also called bishops. They're called shepherds. And they're called pastors, which actually is synonymous with the idea of being a shepherd or, or one who tends a flock. Uh, pastor. A pastor is one who oversees a, a flock, in this case, the spiritual flock of a local congregation. Those are synonymous terms. They sort of give different shades of meaning as to that office, but they all apply to the same office, and they all have to do with those who are qualified overseers of local congregations. They're always, by the way, is a plurality 
of pastors or elders or bishops over a local congregation. Quickly in the chat room, uh, Dwight says, pastors are shepherds, elders, bishops. They all do the same thing. They shepherd or guide the flock of the church. Uh, the pastor or elder can also be the preacher, just as Peter was. They also have to have certain qualifications to qualify them to hold that position. Kevin says a pastor is an elder, overseer, shepherd, presbyter, bishop, never found singular in Scripture. Exactly. Says. Kent says in his email, a pastor is one of the is one of the elders, bishops, or overseers of the local New Testament church that meets the qualifications set forth in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. So a pastor is one of a plurality of men in a local congregation who are qualified and appointed to that work. All right. Let's uh, go on and uh, get two more questions. Oh, we got to fly. we got to fly. Next one's pretty simple. Next too. one from 50, uh, was number 56 last year. What did Jesus look like? Easy answer. Nobody knows. Plenty of art pictures have been drawn of Jesus. Probably not what he looked like. And probably not at all what he looked like. You know, it's kind of interesting to go through and look at the hints of what Jesus probably did look like. Uh, but nobody could say for sure. He wasn't of European descent. Um, he, he probably wasn't of uh, a slight of figure. He probably wasn't very frail looking. And like he, he, he was, a, he was a, a hardworking man, grew and up he probably in, didn't in walk the carpenter around like business. this, you know, like that yeah. in the pictures. Because yeah. there was nothing that people would look at and say, hey, that's got to be Jesus. That guy right there, there's something about him that's unusual. You know, in Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah even prophesied there was nothing about his, nothing comely of his appearance. In other words, he wasn't a handsome man. All the pictures you see of him, a very handsome guy. I mean, you know, tall, very masculine, rugged looking. Or, well, not not all the pictures. Some of the pictures have him looking like just a real weakling, just a meek little weakling. All of those things are wrong. No one knows. And he didn't glow. He, there was no there was no halo around him. You know, he's in the garden. You know, Judas could have just said, "Hey, you go find that guy that's sort of glowing," and that's Jesus. No, they had to have somebody to pick him out. He you couldn't pick him out of a crowd. There yeah. was nothing about yeah. him that's special. Yeah, uh, as far as his physical appearance. Okay. Yeah. Um, Kent says the New Testament does not give a physical description of Jesus, which is actually true. Okay. Um, uh, finally, the last one we're going to try to cover from this whole list of a hundred most searched for questions on Google last year. What is original sin? It's you original tell me because I don't read about in the Bible. It's a, it's a false doctrine conceived by men that suggests that when we are born, we inherit sin all the way back from Adam, that we inherit the sin of our forefathers all the way back to Adam. The original sin even is our sin. Uh, uh, that's the idea of the doctrine of original sin. Kent said the false doctrine of original sin advocates that in, in, individuals inherit the guilt of Adam's sin. And he references Ezekiel 18, verse 20, that clearly shows it's not true. Okay. All right. We have some other pro- we have programs about that. Uh, you could look in our archives for that, and hopefully we can have some programs on that in the future. Okay, we've got to say, don't throw away that link. We've got to get the link on the guy who says that anybody can go to heaven if they're good. Yeah, I got it. All right. Um, all right, we're out of time. Uh, remember, you've got a, a week to be, a little over a week to be making your plans to be here on the 25th and 26th to join us for a special weekend series with Josh McKibben. Dwight is, what, uh, eight, 900 miles away. He says he's going to have to watch online, and certainly that's an Someone option. asked me today, we are going to stream those live, and I assume we will, Kyle. We're going to do uh, like they do in the, in the NFL, though. Or we're going to put like a block on a blackout, A blackout. Black it out like uh, 150-mile uh, radius. You're out of luck. Yeah. All right. All right. Good, good deal. Thanks for your good discussion, my dad. Thanks, everybody. Kyle, thanks for getting us on the, on the air tonight. Yeah, it was good. Study. Any comments? We didn't get you any at all tonight. No, no, it was great questions. I love the people asking questions. Those are good. And right. those are good case studies. All of them are just line by line. That's a good study. All right. If your question wasn't answered on the program tonight, if maybe your question was one that they weren't asking Google last year and you'd like to have it answered on the program or discussed on the program, send it in to questions at collegeu.com, and we'd love to uh, consider that for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we hope that you benefited from our study and discussion tonight. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.